Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Get In The Mode podcast. Our guest today is from Hayes Locums, a highly specialized healthcare staffing agency. John Santee is the CIO at Hayes. When I was doing research on John for this podcast, one thing that stood out was his thoughts on leadership. Personally, in my interaction with John, I find him to be this affable, specialized leader. So today, we're going to chat about leadership from John's experiential standpoint. John, welcome to the Get In The Mode podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Uh, John, why don't you start uh, with a little bit of intro back background and you know tell us a little bit about Hayes. Sure. Uh, well, first off, I do have to admit I haven't quite climbed the ranks to the C-level yet. I, I'm still just the VP of IT here, so uh, make sure we... Uh, Put that little asterisk on it. Um, but for me, I've always been uh, in IT my entire career. I started off whenever I was in college. I was working on my degree in computer science, working for my college computer center. Uh, realized that uh, I both really disliked programming and really liked helping people. I liked the customer service side of it. So coming out of there, I worked my way through help desk positions. Uh, moved over uh, into infrastructure, uh, server, storage, telephony, all that fun stuff, security. Uh, decided, you know, some number of years back that I was going to move across to the other side of the desk, you know, as I started to really enjoy the people in the project management side of the equation. Been doing that now for several years uh, with various groups. Uh, landed here at Hayes Locums about three years ago then. Uh, we were looking to actually relocate to the South Florida area and just in a very uh, wonderful coincidence, uh, they were also looking at the time. There was a really great fit and I was able to make the move down here. That, that's great, John. Can you tell us a little bit about Hayes? What, what are your responsibilities at Hayes? So you, know, you mentioned we are a uh, healthcare staffing and recruiting firm specializing in physicians and uh, sort of the advanced practices areas. Uh, my team here at Hayes, we're a relatively small group. We oversee all things IT, so customer service, infrastructure, security, uh, development team, data. All of that falls under the umbrella of our relatively compact group that we have here. That's awesome. Uh, do you, I'm guessing you all, do you guys have any homegrown applications, ERP systems, the traditional? So nothing that we've developed fully in-house. Uh, all of that would be off the shelf that has then been customized to our needs, you know, because we do have even within the recruitment world, we have some very specialized needs, as you might imagine, when dealing with physicians and the, the broad array of uh, education and backgrounds that they have. We do have to customize those things, but we are in a good spot where we're able to use very readily available technologies. That's great. Now, tell us a little bit about your journey to leadership. So as I mentioned, I started off uh, on the help desk and I really enjoyed helping people. Uh, I like being able to combine my love of gadgets and technology with being a helper. Uh, I then kind of as that progressed through and I grew in my skill set, I got a little bit away from that and started working on infrastructure. So I was dealing with servers and security and, and all the things behind the scenes. Uh, lost a little bit of that one-to-one -one being really in contact with people. 
I found a way to get reconnected with that through taking on project management and project ownership. It gave me the opportunity to work with people throughout my organizations on whatever the particular project need may have been. Also gave me a great opportunity to work with the management structure of my organizations and work with the vendors that were needed to come in and help execute whatever those projects may have been. Uh, over the course of several years, I realized that I was enjoying that aspect of my work as much, if not more, than the purely technical components. Mm -hmm. uh, I had several years back a, a manager who really kind of pushed me a little bit to get into more of that ownership of leading the project teams, leading the people teams. And some years back, I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And uh, I was fortunate enough to find a company at the time that gave me that opportunity to take on a true management and leadership role. Uh, that then has led to you know, progressing through where I've gone from a very small team of just one or two people now to much larger teams overseeing all aspects of technology. In each one of those steps though, the pieces that I've continued to enjoy and that I've loved more and more along the way has been that interaction with vendors and project teams and functional teams and management groups and helping all of those individual groups realize that day in and day out, everybody's kind of pointed in the same direction and has the same goal for their organizations. They're just looking at it and coming at it from different directions. My seat and those of other IT leaders, we really are in a unique position that we can help all of those different groups understand that they are in fact working towards a common goal, uh, be that bridge for them. And I really enjoy that aspect along with them. I have really amazingly brilliant people on my teams and I am in a position where I can clear their obstacles for them and I can clear the road so that those guys can do the great work that they are so good at doing. Being able to let them go and let them run down that road and do the projects, do the work that they love to do and see that then helping my organizations. That's what keeps me energized in my role day in and day out. Um, so John, you talked about the journey to leadership. Um, you know, sounds like you were initially customer facing role from help desk, project management kind of gave you that opportunity to sort of be the North Star for the team, right? Point them in the yeah. right direction, right? Um, and which you enjoyed. Tell us about the lessons learned as you are progressing the, to these type of roles. You know, what are some initial lessons of leaderships? You know, some gotchas and, you know, yeah. we always learn yeah, from goodness, that's, that. That could be an entire hour long discussion in and of itself, the, the lessons learned and the, here's the mistakes I've made, don't do these. Right. So early on, I consider myself right or wrong to be a fairly high performing contributor uh, on the teams. Whenever I moved over then to the management and leadership side of the fence, one of the first obstacles that I had a really difficult time with was letting go of being that hands-on person and trusting the people that were on my teams. Uh, it was something that I struggled with. Uh, I was fortunate in my very early leadership roles to have a, an excellent manager who was an indirectly also a mentor for me. And you know, he really drove home this idea of you know, 
we've hired you to be a leader, not to be the contributor. You've got really good people on your teams. Let them do it and help them understand why they're doing what they do. And that took me a while. Uh, there are still days, even now, where I lean out and I hear my guys talking about some really cool new technology, some new service that they're playing with. And I had that little pang inside of, oh, I wish I was still doing that. But I know that in, you know, in my own way, I'm giving them what they need and doing something better for them. Moving forward then, one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn, and unfortunately I had to learn it the hard way several times, as so many of us do, was getting better at listening. Uh, I, I, as many of us are, I was very guilty, especially early on, of listening to respond, not listening to understand. And it, learning how to do that and, and quiet my own mind and listen to what the people on the other side of the table were saying, whether it be people on my own team, whether it be vendors I was working with, the management structure, really making sure that I was listening to them and understanding what they were saying so that I could then give proper feedback or proper insight into it was, again, it was a lesson that took me a few times to learn that one. There, there were a few hard hard stumbles on the way where you know I either put my own foot in my mouth or whether I simply didn't understand what was being asked of me and ended up going off down a wrong path and had to bring people back. You know, there's all the, the baggage that goes along with that whenever you have to backtrack because you didn't take the time to understand something. Yeah, two, two great lessons that uh, we could pick up without us having to go through what you went through. <laughs> uh, can, don't be a control freak listening to understand. <laughs> yes. Good way to put it. Yes. Right. Um, now, you know, let's talk a little bit about the nuanced uh, leadership mistakes as you now you're kind of the VP, right? Um, now you've got several managers reporting to you, you know, other leaders that you're mentoring. Um, you know, talk to us about the nuanced leadership mistakes you have seen outside uh, you know, other people are making, you know, obviously, you know, people would say command control, we're not talking about that, but more the nuanced nature of leadership. One thing that I see with both people that I've had on my teams and then with other people I've interacted with is you know, we still got this kind of aura of micromanaging that sits mm -hmm. out there. And that you see a lot when you bring on really high performing people which I try to do with my team. You've got these people that have been there, done that, they know their stuff, and getting them to realize that they then have to trust the people that are underneath them. That they need to understand, you know, just like the lesson that I had to learn. You've got to let go of those reins just a little bit. I still see that a lot across teams within my own organizations and again with, uh, within other people that I work with. You'll see that where I don't know that perhaps a lack of trust, perhaps just a lack of you know some experience there uh, of letting go of that a little bit and letting people do the good work that they're really capable of doing. Yeah, no, I I think that I think it, at the end of the day, control and uh, you know kind of micromanagement is because of trust. You know how much it, it's a very deep psychological sort of issue that all of us may have as leaders, right? Um, that we, we have lack the, we have inability to trust others uh, to right. do a good job, uh, just as we would want to do a good job with our, what our responsibility. Exactly. 
and you get, you know, with really high-performing teams, you've got those people that very rightly so say to themselves, well, I know I can do this. Right. But now it's taking that next step of, I know you can do this. That's the next step as a leader that so many need to take. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk about, um, you know, leadership competency, right? A lot of leaders, especially in tech, in my 20 years of experience, have started out their life as a programmer or, you know, just like you did, like in the help desk area, right? IT and all of that, right? Um, and they've risen to the ranks of leadership positions. Um, how can someone develop that competency apart from having this desire to, like you felt like, hey, this is me, I, I really like this role. Apart, you know, once you get that sense of where you want to be, what are some competencies you would suggest as a leader to develop? Number one is going to be time management. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I greatly, greatly underestimated was how my time day in and day out was going to change. As the individual contributor, you can look at the projects that you have and, and you can really sit down and assess, well, it's going to take X number of hours for this and X number of hours for this. When you take on leadership roles, the need for time management doesn't change, but how your time is demanded changes greatly. You become much more involved in meetings and calls and discussions that, especially early on when you're trying to get used to doing those, can feel like a lot of wheel spinning. And mm -hmm. understanding that no, each one of those has a purpose and each one of those is going to help to move things forward but that there's also going to be more of them than you realize if you're really going to be clearing the path for your teams. You know, it's going to take more conversations and more calls and, and more time than you realize. So really early in your career, nailing down time management skills and then being flexible with how you apply those skills. That one's, that one's huge. The, the other one that I've already touched on a little bit is really work diligently on your listening skills. Uh, people don't realize that it is a skill and like right. any skill, it takes practice to learn that. Right. And you have to dedicate, whether that be through reading books, whether that be listening to really good speakers that are very engrossing to you and, and learning why are they engrossing, yeah. and you're picking up on those different types of uh, tactics that they may use. That one's really critical. You know, if you can nail down your time management and your listening skills, you're 90% ahead in the game already because those two things then help all of the technical skills and the people skills and the budgeting skills and all those other things start to fall into place. Yeah, and you know that the second one is also very important to develop as a leader. You know, leadership competency is. A lot of times engineers, if you come from that background, you have a way of like, you know how it needs to be done and sometimes not allowing that other person to come in and say, hey, we can, I mean, there are multiple ways to get things done, right? You're allowing people listening to their way of their approach and method and methodology and process to doing something. Um, even allowing sometimes failure so that they can learn too, right? It's yeah. it's such a such a great skill to develop. I, I, I completely agree with you on that. Well, um, one other that I would throw out real quickly, and this one is not one that people naturally think of right off the top of their head, but it was one that uh, uh, has proven very useful to me, learning the proper way to say no. 
as a leader, the demands that get made on your time and on your budgets and from both your own teammates and from without or beyond your own team are, are just immeasurable. And mm -hmm. you have to learn how to say no sometimes. And I hate saying no. You know, I always want my first answer to be yes, because I want to be able to do those things and I want to be able to help folks. But it's impossible to do everything. You don't have the time, you don't have the people, and you don't have the budget, money in the budget to do that. Yeah. So understanding how to still be very conscious of what first someone is saying to you, what a person is saying, and let them know not only that you're saying no, but why, and be able to do that in a very clear and very concise and very professionally respectful way is critical to being able to keep up with all of the other things that you have going on. Definitely a great one, thank you. Now, um, let's talk about leadership in this new environment. Some of them are returning to work, you know, some of them are remote, uh, sort of a hybrid environment that we're seeing. How are you engaging as a leader? What are what are some strategies that you found working in your teams? So I've been very fortunate for probably the last six or seven years, I've had distributed teams now. And they've been literally all around the world. I've had people that, you know, I had to be on calls at midnight with them because that was the middle of the day for them. So uh, it's been a very good opportunity for me to come into what we've seen in these last 18 months and be I think a little bit more prepared than perhaps you know, others traditionally in my type of role would have been, you know, in that, that small, medium business leadership role. Yeah. Leading anybody is hard. Leading remote employees is infinitely harder. Because you've got the thing, and you hear this word all the time, and, and it's almost to a point that's become cliche, but engagement. Right. How are you making sure that those remote employees who are not sitting in a room with you are not going out and you know grabbing lunch with you, are not having to drive by conversations with you. How are you making sure that they stay engaged? How do they still know the why behind all of the things that you're asking them to do? For me, there's not really been any secret sauce. It's been communication. Okay. Making sure that we have daily touch points with not only my direct reports, my managers and whatnot, mm -hmm. but touch points with everybody across the teams. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know in huge organizations that becomes something that's not entirely feasible, but you still have layers that you can go through and making sure that you're having those touch points, making sure that you're checking in on people and not just checking in on them from the professional point of view, but hey, is everything okay? Are, are you, do you have everything you need to be doing your job? Is everything going good? Make sure that you care about them as a human being and as a person and not just as a, as a resource. When yeah. You do that and you have that interaction with them, despite the fact that they might not be sitting in the same room as you are, there's still going to be a little bit of a connection there. And don't be afraid to, you know, instead of sending somebody an email or sending somebody an instant message, if you see that, hey, their little dot there is green, means they're available, call them. Yeah, and have, have the drive-by call instead of the walk-up conversation. You know, do the best that you can to uh, re-engineer those in-person communications and those in-person relationships when you can. Yeah, I think those are great uh, tools uh, for leaders to have in this sort of hybrid environment. Um, you know, when, as you kind of, you know, being the VP, how do you measure your own success as a leader? Like, what are 
some objectives you have and how do you measure up to those? So in terms of you know, actual identifiable numbers, there, there are two that are just critical to me. Uh, number one is project success. So what percentage of the projects that we're undertaking, whether it be a three-day project or a three-year project, what percentage of those are ending up with successful outcomes? The second one for me, because I do pride myself on building very high-performing teams, uh, mm -hmm. is retention rates. How mm -hmm. many of those excellent performers am I keeping on my teams? Mm -hmm. Whenever I look at those two, if, if the project success rate is high and my employee retention rate is high, for me, that means that I'm doing something right. I'm giving the business what it needs. I'm giving my teams what they need. Everybody's feeling engaged. Everybody's feeling appreciated. Um, beyond that, it's the, the intangibles. You know, how comfortable are people coming and talking to me? How comfortable are they with, this one's really key, disagreeing with me, especially you know, direct reports and direct reports under them. Are they comfortable disagreeing with you if you put an idea out there and they're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard? Or are they willing to say that to you? When you have the professionally respectful way of doing that and, and people are comfortable with that, for me, that also lets me know that in my leadership role, I'm doing the right thing, whether that's, again, a member of my team that's doing that or whether it's you know somebody that's on the executive team coming to me and having those sorts of discussions. If those are happening, beyond just the metrics of the day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. I'm being successful. That's great. Now, um, to wrap this up, I've got a few rapid-fire questions for you. All right. <laughs> now, uh, what's been, on, in the last one week, what's been on repeat in your uh, phone uh, in terms of music, uh, you know, Spotify or, pot, you know, whatever you oh listen to? So I am a hard rock guy, and I have a uh, 90s and 2000, maybe aging myself a little bit there, Spotify channel that is, if I'm in the car, that's the music that's on. <laughs> right on. Any favorite bands from those? Oh from my goodness, if I start throwing out band names, people are going to think I'm really strange. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like bands like Disturbed and Godsmack and some of those traditional right more hard rock, you know, not not truly way out there bands, but ones that would definitely be outside of the mainstream. <laughs> Great. Now, next question. What's a book that you've read uh, kind of changed the way you thought in the la within the last six months? What a book that you've read? Uh, the Four Disciplines of Execution. That okay. one has been just huge. And that one I found applied to literally everything that I do. Uh, is, is it Patrick that, Mahoney? Who's the author? Do you remember? Uh, no, that, I do have several of his books. And yeah. if had you not asked me the name of the author, author, I would have been able to tell you because it's famous and he's everywhere. But I'm drawing right. a blank at the minute. No worries. <laughs> but no, that then probably one. It's not been within the last six months, but one that was just really changing for me in terms of how I approach my leadership style was extreme ownership, and, and that's one that uh, was written by a couple of uh, ex Navy SEALs. And that was right. really, really good. Okay. Now, last one. Um, you know, you just came from back from a vacation. Let's talk about in your lifetime, uh, what's been the best place you've been on vacation? If you were to repeat it again, oh, what goodness. would that be? So my family and I are Disney fanatics. We, we, are, we are those people. We watch all the movies. We have the characters. I mean, we're, we're those weird people. And our very first 
family vacation that we took to Disney World years ago when, when all of my kids were still really little. It was one of those where you kind of captured lightning in a bottle. The weather was perfect. The crowds were perfect. Everybody had a good time. There, there was no fussing and fighting. You know, none of the kids crying at the end of a long day that you see when you go there. It, it was just one of those where everything that could have been magical and wonderful about it was. And we still, all of us as a family, still talk about that trip, despite the dozens of times that we've been there and all of the other trips that we've taken. That one still has a little spark and a little magic for us. Have you guys been there again yet, or? Uh, we have, yeah. We, okay. We've been right. there. Um, we, we went uh, last year. Uh, we, we kind of decided to, to go with that and, and try it out. And uh, yeah, it actually so went really well. Yeah, that, that's good. Well, uh, John, it's been a pleasure having you on our, in our podcast. And thank you, for, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me.